What's up, skeptics? I'm your host, Zoe McDaniel, and you're listening to Professional Skepticism. Today, I have on my special little Christmas sweater. It has two snowmen on it, and one of them is missing his nose, and it's because the other snowman took it and put it where his penis should be. It's really cute. I'll post a picture of it. Um, So as you can probably tell based on my Christmas sweater, today we are going to be talking about a Christmas topic, but not what you might be thinking, nothing cutesy. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm a bit of a Grinch. I'm kind of a self-proclaimed Grinch. I haven't really celebrated Christmas in probably over like 10 years. I mean, I've been involved if like people invite me to a Christmas event or like a family thing or if there's like a secret Santa, I'll definitely take part in that. But it's not really my cup of tea. Um, I don't know. Well, I don't really describe myself as Christian. And I just when I was like 13 or 14, I went through that like rebellious phase. And I was like, screw capitalism. Like, I don't even subscribe to Christianity. So why am I going to like do all this capitalistic Christmas stuff. And so then I just stopped celebrating it. And my dad and my brother were kind of in the same boat. And so, and also we would buy ourselves things like throughout the year. So we didn't really have to like wait till Christmas time, like a lot of people do, which is probably like the smart thing to do. But so we were just like, all right, let's not do Christmas. And so for like the last 10 years, I have just been this Grinch who's like, I hate Christmas. And me and Mandy would go to Waffle House every year and like eat and just be very anti-Christmas. So this year, I was talking to Jason, who was on the episode a couple weeks ago about questioning the healing powers of psychedelics. And we were talking about the importance of human ritual and how, like, you know, there's a reason that we do things in ritual behaviors. There's a reason that things are basic. Like, I like to think of the, the pumpkin spice latte. Like, everyone loves to shit on it, but there's a reason that everybody make such a big fuss about it because like it's good and so we were just kind of talking about that in respect to the holidays in general so like I think at the time it was around Halloween um and so we were talking about like pumpkin carving I almost said cumkin I hate myself um pumpkin carving is like a ritual and Thanksgiving can be a ritual even though you know Thanksgiving is problematic in its own right and Christmas is a ritual Valentine's Day is a ritual and so I was like you know what like why am I literally the Grinch? Like, why am I literally shitting on everybody's time? Like, it doesn't have to be. Like, we as humans can reframe things. Like, Thanksgiving is shitty. Like, everybody knows that. Um, But maybe we can try and, like, do something else around that time to show thanks and be grateful and, like, spend time with people we care about and, like, I guess maybe, like, reclaim that. And maybe that's, um, you know, wishful thinking. I don't know. But the same with Christmas. Like, I don't have to be such a fucking Grinch about it. I can, like, have a good time. So anyways, that's my soapbox. This year, I'm celebrating Christmas. Mandy and I have a wreath on our front door that her aunt made for us. I bought a real Christmas tree, and it looks really sad because it only has Christmas lights on it, but that's okay. I'm wearing a Christmas sweater, and we're doing a Christmas topic because I'm healing my inner child, and we're celebrating Christmas this year. All right, that was a lot to unload on you guys. Um, That was very, like, on par with my cum joke. So today's topic is Krampus, which I am really excited to talk about. 
So before we get into it, I'm going to list out all my sources. I got a lot of information from All That's Interesting, The Haunted Librarian, Wikipedia as always, Britannica, The History Channel, Live Science, and USC News, so um, University of South Carolina. All right, so who the fuck is Krampus? Let's talk about it. So Krampus is this like half goat, half demon entity that in some folklore is claimed to be the son of Hel, that's H-E-L or Heel, the Norse god of the underworld. And he is a somewhat like Christmas time villain. He punishes naughty children at Christmas time um, by taking them to hell. So he has these like pointed devilish horns. He has a long snake-like tongue. He's like black, like a dark black brown in his fur. Um, I've seen a lot of pictures where he has like abs. So it's like this like upper body is like a muscular man body, like the torso. And then the legs are like the hind legs of like a really jacked up goat. And then his head is like a goat and he's got like horns and, you know, the tongue and stuff. Um, Some depictions of him show him having one human foot and one cloven hoof, like a a goat foot. Um, He also wears chains and bells and he like shakes them for dramatic effect before he arrives. So supposedly you'll hear his maniacal laughter and his bells and chains jingling in the distance before you ever actually see Krampus. And so obviously that's fucking terrifying. But I think what I want to point out, I just watched the Krampus movie. Actually, I don't even think I finished it. It's still, I think, on pause in my bedroom right now. It's really bad. Like, I'm just going to say it. It's really bad. There's a ton of Krampus movies that are out right now. The one that I watched was the 2015 one that I think might have been in theaters. It's got some, like, well-known actors and actresses in it, and it's just, I don't know, it's not good. It's not good to me. It might It's more appropriate probably for, like, children, um, like one of those movies that's like a scary kids movie, but I didn't really enjoy it, but I, I liked the way they depicted the bells and chains because it sounds just like sleigh bells. Like, you think it sounds all innocent and exciting, and you're like, oh my god, it's Santa, and then it's fucking Krampus, so that's kind of like a nice juxtaposition for you guys. He also carries a large sack or basket on his back, and that is what he is said to put children into when he carries them off to hell. So this is from Wikipedia. He is also known for using a switch. I don't know if they call it that everywhere. I know in the South, like, if you're bad, your grandma would be like, go outside and pick a switch, and then you'd bring them, like, a little stick, and they'd whip you with it. So just like a branch or a twig, um, he carries those around. So in pagan origins, this word is spelled R-U-T-E, and I saw a couple different pronunciations of it. So it's either root or ruta, and basically he carries around a bundle of birch branches, and this is what he uses to swat children. The root, I'm going to say the root, the root may have had significance in pre-Christian pagan initiation rites. The birch branches are replaced in some depictions of Krampus with a whip. Kinky. So Krampus is often, in depictions of him, he is like looming menacingly over children. But in some instances, Krampus can be seen pursuing women, if you will. So it does take a little bit of a turn into like a kinky realm, which we'll talk about slightly. There's not much to that other than just people are horny for Krampus, but it's worth looking into, you know? 
So this is from all that's interesting. In Central Europe, Krampus and St. Nicholas or Santa Claus are considered counterparts. So two halves of a whole Christmas idiot. Basically, Santa doesn't even bother with the naughty children. Um, they, They skip over the coal and they go straight to Krampus, good cop, bad cop style. So in some countries, the folklore is that Santa arrives with not just one Krampus, but four or five. I don't know why, it feels a little excessive to me. So Krampus has his own celebration on the day before the Feast of St. Nicholas in Central Europe in the Alpine region. And this night is December 5th, and it's called Krampusnacht. And there's a lot of German words in this episode. I looked up the pronunciations of, um, I don't have the German accent, so it's not going to hit quite as well, but Krampusnacht, I believe, is the right way to say it. And I apologize if I'm saying it wrong, I'm trying. So Santa and Krampus will visit children with Santa rewarding these kids. Um, He'll bring them things like oranges, dried fruit, walnuts, chocolate, and then Krampus will beat you with a switch if you're bad. All right, so I kind of touched on it already, but like what exactly does Krampus do? He drinks schnapps, and it's customary during these uh, Krampus knots to offer Krampus schnapps, and I guess this is to like appease him or like offer like a white flag or a olive branch you know it's like please don't take my children away um so like I said he'll swat you with a birch branch he'll put children in his sack and take them to hell he also might eat them as a snack drown them in the river drop them off in hell like I mentioned and leave them there for a year to be tortured or eaten and then I guess they can come back next year if they weren't eaten Let's talk about the history of Krampus. And here come some more, um, I believe, German words in this section. Some of these words are like from Central Europe, so just bear with me. But all right, so let's start with prior to Krampus. And this is from Wikipedia, this section. There was a devilish figure known as Perched or Perchta, and I believe I said that correctly. A two-legged humanoid goat with a giraffe-like neck, and it would wear different animal furs And people wore costumes and marched in processions known as the Perchtenlaufen. And this will come back later. This is basically, this just means perched uh, or perched run. And there are Krampus runs that happen each year on December 5th. And we'll talk a little bit more about those. But this was kind of like the Krampus before the Krampus and what kind of modeled what we do now for Krampus today. So they would have these perched in Laughins. People in the Alpine region would dress up in costumes and like try to look like this creature. Um, And this was looked at with suspicion by the Catholic Church, shocker, and it was eventually banned by some civil authorities. But because of the way the Alpine region is set up geographically, um, the, the population is spread out, the environment and the terrain is a little rugged. They weren't really able to enforce this ban, and so people just continued to celebrate Perched and Laughin. And eventually, um, over the years, St. Nicholas was introduced to the storyline, and then, of course, his evil counterpart, Krampus, emerged. So according to Live Science and Jennifer Collins, she's a scholarly communications and reference librarian at the State University of New York. She's studied Krampus a lot, and so she said this to Live Science in an interview Supposedly, December 12th is dedicated to Perchta, 
and she sometimes appears as a witch-like creature who, quote, would disembowel the girls who hadn't used up all of their wool for the year. And so what this means is that historically knitting clothing was essential for survival in southern Germany and Alpine Austria. And so this myth is believed to have been brought into their world as a means to encourage girls to knit and make clothes, I guess, for the winter. This day is popular in southern Germany and Austria. Supposedly, celebrations involving Krampus date back to the 6th or 7th century CE, though there are no actual written sources before the end of the 16th century. Most people believe that Krampus originally hails from the Alpine region, like I mentioned. Um, there is some association with the winter solstice celebrations, and his appearance coincides with a couple of different pagan winter rites. Um, so we have the Perched in Laufen. We have, there's another one where they where people will parade through the streets as an attempt to disperse winter ghosts. So they'll do like a parade where they like walk around and I guess they like scare the ghosts away. So there's a couple different celebrations that are similar to the Perched in Laufen, the Krampus Lauf, which we'll talk about, which is just the Krampus runs. Um, I don't know a ton about these pagan ceremonies or these pagan rituals. So if you do, feel free to let me know about them. I'm very curious about them. It's super interesting to me. So according to live science, during the Enlightenment era, Krampus appeared in Vienna, and he was used as a, quote, educational tool to teach children obedience and discipline. And this came from Gertrude Sizer, a researcher in the Department of Social and Cultural Anthropology at the University of Vienna. So in the 17th and 18th centuries, carnival parades became popular in Bavaria and other mountainous areas of Austria. And this was where Krampus was incorporated. So authorities tried to ban these parades again, um, mainly just because people were very young, very drunk, and rioting. And so this is more information from Gertrude Sizer. And then again, according to Live Science, it wasn't until the 17th century that the folklore surrounding Krampus became focused on children. So in its earliest forms of the story in pagan societies, it was actually not just focused on children, but also adults. So if adults were greedy or inappropriate or, you know, had a stick up their ass, then Krampus would come visit them as well. So it definitely started as a means to keep people in control. What's interesting about this to me is they're trying to keep like their population from being like rowdy and bad. And, you know, I think there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. So it's I'm interested to see, like, where exactly the origin of it came from, like, who started it, because obviously all these governments are not super happy with it. But I, I'm curious if, like, the government was like, maybe if we tell them about this thing, it'll keep them in line. And then everyone was like, this could be a fun excuse to do a Krampus run or a Perchta run and get, like, really drunk. And, you know, so it's, I don't know. It feels a little contradictory right there, but either way, Krampus is around for anyone, children, adults, um, so make sure that you are on your best behavior. So there's another theory of where Krampus lore may have originated, and this was that it came about in Bavaria after the Thirty Years' War, so that was 1618 to 1648. And this was mainly because the death rate from this war was immense, and this is also from Live Science. Um, some areas ended up losing half of their population. So I guess like they're just saying 
maybe Krampus came and took them <laughs> or you need to be on your best behavior um, because people are dying. And so like we need people to not go to hell with Krampus. I don't know. So like I've mentioned, there's a couple different um, storylines for Krampus and it actually appears in the folklore of a couple different places. So Austria, Bavaria, Croatia, the Czech Republic, Hungary, Northern Italy, the Autonomous Province of Trento, and South Tyrol, Slovakia, and Slovenia. Those are some of the main areas where Krampus is pretty much deeply ingrained into their folklore. And so they all have different um, origins of where he came from, storylines. They all have like similar themes within them, but I don't think anybody really knows exactly where Krampus came from other than pagan origins. So it's really interesting. There's people who spend their whole careers investigating this kind of stuff, which is super cool to me. Like whenever, like this lady, Gertrude Sizer, she's like a social and cultural anthropologist. And I just think those kinds of career paths are super interesting because you just get to literally sit there and analyze people and like the way we do things and why we do things. And you can get into these fun kind of folklore areas and spiritual areas and look at like, what's the word, cryptids and stuff like that. Like, I almost feel like Krampus is kind of a cryptid, although no one has said that they've seen him. I think that's the difference between like a cryptid and Krampus. But um, maybe we'll do some cryptids here soon. I think they're super interesting. But okay, sorry, I sidetracked again. There are varying degrees to celebrating Krampus. And some areas take him more seriously than others. So in Styria, the root twigs are painted gold and displayed year-round in the house as a reminder to any child who might have forgotten that they need to be acting on their best behavior so that Krampus doesn't come to get them. And then this little section is from Wikipedia. In smaller, more isolated villages, um, Krampus has like a little gang of like other beastly monsters that aren't exactly him, but they like help him out. And St. Nick is nowhere to be seen in those stories. So that's pretty scary. I think it's just like behave or that's it. There's no like you're going to get rewarded for being a good kid. You just either be a good kid or you get taken by Krampus. And then in many parts of Croatia, Krampus is described as a devil wearing a cloth sack. Well, we knew this around his waist and chains around his neck, ankles and wrists. So that kind of sounds like a cute little outfit as a part of the tradition, when a child receives a gift from St. Nicholas, he's given a golden branch to represent his good deeds throughout the year. However, if they've misbehaved, Krampus will take the gifts for himself and leave only a silver branch to represent the child's bad acts. So that's like a more tame version of Krampus. You know, he's not beating you. He's not eating you. He's not stealing you or any of the above. He's just stealing your presents and leaving you like a little silver stick saying, try again next year. So I feel like that's like the best case scenario with Krampus. So there are a few different suggestions of where his name came from. So according to All That's Interesting, they claim that his name comes from the German word Krampen, which means claw. But like I mentioned earlier, he bears a striking resemblance to Old Norse legends about the son of hell, the god of the underworld. The haunted librarian claims his name is derived from either the Dutch word Krampen meaning pick or iron, and I think this in Austrian means pickaxe, and some rely on the German translation of Kramp. And then Wikipedia says that Krampus is thought to come from either Bavarian Krampen meaning dead or rotten, and then I think it also had the word Krampen for claw. So there's a couple different 
potential origins of his name, and they all kind of have the same vibe. Claws, pickaxe, iron, dead, rotten. Like, he's walking around wearing chains and bells, and he's going to kill you and your children and beat you. So I feel like all of those could make sense. Okay, so the common consensus is that the story of Krampus was a pagan morality tale appropriated by Christians. So I first heard about Krampus on And That's Why We Drink, and one of the hosts is German, and so she was talking about there's like all sorts of German cautionary tales for children where they're basically just trying to scare children into being good. And so that's where the pagan morality tale came from. But over the years, Christianity heard about Krampus and they kind of, I guess, took hold of it. So as Christianity gained popularity in this region, aspects of Krampus started to fall in alignment with Christian beliefs about, you know, God and the devil. So Krampus started to become more of a devilish figure. So we start, you know, the horns, the tongue, they like have some symbolism for like what the chains and the whips and all that stuff mean. I feel like he already was kind of devilish in a sense, um, but to each their own. So according to the haunted librarian, the unfavorable kidnapping tale of Krampus alarmed communities in the mid-1900s. So we're, we're moving up a little bit in our timeline. Therefore, towns were encouraged to tone it down or outright ban such celebrations. So another common theme that we'll see with Krampus is that towns love Krampus, or not that they love Krampus, but they love having Krampus as like an excuse to let loose, have these Krampus runs, the Krampus lofts, and just have a good time and like be a little rowdy, and authorities don't really like that. And I think I read somewhere in my research that the draw to the Krampus runs and stuff like that is similar to that of Halloween, where like we just like to have specific nights during the year where we can let loose and be rowdy, and there's not necessarily any sort of like repercussion, which as I'm saying this, it kind of sounds like the purge. That's not how it is. You know, they're not like hurting people intentionally. Well, I take that back. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's just a night for people to have a little fun and authorities don't like that. So in the aftermath of the 1932 election in Austria, the campus tradition was prohibited by the Dolphus regime under the clerical fascist. And I'm going to put the English translation of this in here because I'm not sure how to say it. So the English translation of this is Fatherland's Front. So they're under the clerical fascist Fatherland's Front and the Christian Social Party. <laughs> in the 1950s, the government distributed pamphlets titled Krampus is an Evil Man. And so that was from Wikipedia. So basically, these authorities are saying, you know, Krampus is a force for evil um, we should stop celebrating Krampus. I think also a more tame way to approach this concept would be to just note that it's probably not cool to traumatize your children into thinking that, like, a strange entity is going to abduct them if they aren't on their best behavior. So, however, by the end of the 20th century, Krampus was back in full force. People were still celebrating it. And this is from anthropologist John J. Honigman, and he wrote these observations in 1975. Um, he was in Erdning, a small town in Styria, and he was observing their Krampus celebrations and the way that they um, 
approach Krampus. So he said, Austrians in the community we studied are quite aware of, quote, heathen elements being blended with Christian elements in the St. Nicholas customs and in other traditional winter ceremonies. They believe Krampus derives from a pagan supernatural who was assimilated to the Christian devil. So that kind of sums up perfectly everything that we've been talking about so far. So let's talk a little bit about kinky Krampus. So around Krampus knot, so December 5th, um, and just, you know, the month of December, people like to exchange Krampus knot greeting cards, and they typically depict Krampus on there. Um, there's, like, you know, festive and funny messages and poems. Um, some of them are lighthearted, but some of them are kind of, they're meant to be scary, and I love that. I love the idea of just, like, sending somebody a scary-ass message, like, around Halloween or something, like, just send someone, like, a really fucking scary card. Like, I mean, it's probably, as long as they know who you are. I'm imagining getting, like, a really scary card in the mail and being like, what the fuck? But, like, from your friends and family, I'm so about that. I'm probably going to do that next year. Um, love that. Okay, so according to the History Channel, there were also cards that were not just scary or funny, but there were also some adult XXX type cards. So Krampus cards in the earliest, earliest, in the early 20th century show him punishing children, of course, but also punishing women, proposing to women, and just interacting with women. I just winked um, for those who aren't watching. In some cards, Krampus is portrayed as a large woman whipping tiny men with her birch sticks and carrying them off in her satchel. So shout out to Fat Femme Frisky. <laughs> I feel like she would fucking love that. Um, so basically in this depiction of Krampus, he's like a, a femdom, if you will, which is super badass. And then in another depiction, there's like a smiling woman and she's... Um, you know, holding Krampus in the air like a little rat or something that she's defeated, holding his birch sticks behind her back. So I don't know when Krampus started getting sexy, but I'm about it. Like I watched, also I should have said this, um, we're going to talk about the Krampus loft and the Krampus run in the next section, but you can look that up. Just type in Krampus. You don't even have to type in all this other stuff on YouTube and you can get like entire Krampus parades, like hour-long videos, and it's insane. Like, the effort that people put into it is so cool, and it's really fun. It's almost like if you've ever been to Scarewinds or just any sort of, like, haunted experience where, like, you know, you're walking and there's always, like, the really dressed-up scary people and they kind of run up to you. It's like that, but, like, it's, like, parade style. So, obviously, there's people on the sidewalks, and then it's, like, barricaded, and then, like, all the Krampuses are running down. And so they're, like, coming up to you and, like, scaring you, and you don't know who they're going to choose, and they might, like, pull you into the parade with them. So it's really interesting. So the reason I bring that up is that I was into it. And so I guess I can see where, like, maybe along the years, like, people were getting a little aroused about Krampus. And now if you type in Kinky Krampus which I did on Google, there's a ton of events on like Eventbrite and like all sorts of things where they do like kinky Krampus burlesque shows and kinky Krampus kink parties where everyone has to dress up like Krampus and wear chains and bells and whips. And um, there's like a book 
out there. I'd, it was like a mystery book about the Krampus kink. So there's probably some smut out there about him too. I saw a furry photo of like a like a drawing of a furry girl that was like Krampus, I guess. So it's like, I can't remember what the rule is. Rule something. There's like rule and then a number where no matter what it is in this world, someone will have made it sexual. Someone will have made porn of it. And it's all available to you on the internet. So you could type in like whatever it is and then that rule and you'll see something sexy. Yeah, so Kinky Krampus. I don't know. I am into it. I am interested in Kinky Krampus. Uh, Maybe next year I'll get ahead of the game and I'll go to a Kinky Krampus event and I'll let you guys know how it was. Let me know if you guys also think that Krampus is sexy. All right, so now we'll talk about Krampus Loft, the Krampus Runs, where the tradition stands today. So on December 5th, this is from All That's Interesting, elegantly dressed St. Nick's pair up with monstrously outfitted Krampuses, and they make the rounds to homes and businesses offering gifts and playful threats. So that was a quote, and it's true. Like they'll, So they'll do the parade where like they walk down the street, but they also will straight up just like go to your house and your business. And it's pretty rowdy. It's like what I imagine Halloween back in like the day here in the U.S. was, like in the 80s and 90s where people would actually do like trick or treat and they would go and they would play tricks and stuff. Like I never experienced any of that. Um, Maybe it was just where I grew up or something. But like, I you know, you watch on movies and stuff where kids are actually like doing like fucked up shit on Halloween. Um, Like, People would, you know, people kill black cats on Halloween and leave dog shit on your front door. Like, not saying that I want that to happen. I feel like there are definitely some more, like, tame versions of those kinds of pranks that we could do. Um, But that's the kind of vibe I'm getting from Krampus Loft. But, you know, no one said that they're killing cats or, like, leaving shit on doorsteps. That's just me talking about Halloween. But I can't help but draw, like, a similar vibe from... Halloween and Krampusloff um, kind of like rowdiness, the energy that goes into it. So didn't mean to be like assuming that people are being super bad on Krampusloff in that way. But basically, large groups of people will dress up as Krampus, run amok through the streets. Um, they'll chase people with birch sticks. They will literally actually hit you. Like I was reading, and this is from All That's Interesting, and I think this was where I saw this account. It might have been in one of my other sources, but... Tourists who were in Central Europe during this time for these activities said that they will literally hit you. Um, So, (laughs) like, they would run into businesses, into coffee shops to get off the street, and they would fucking chase you with the the birch sticks and, like, leave little welts. So it's, like, very much, you know, they're playing dirty. Like, you're going to be involved whether you want to be involved or not, and it's just kind of how it goes, and, like, you got to suck it up. Like, it's Krampusloff, you know what I mean? So it's all meant to be in good fun, um, but they definitely don't hold back. All right, so every year, as I'm sure you can imagine, there's arguments during Krampus runs. I'm just imagining a bunch of, like, really aggressive dudes dressed up as Krampus, and they're all, like, fighting each other. Occasionally, this is from Wikipedia, occasionally spectators do attempt to take revenge for these whippings because, like, like I said, they're actually hitting you. They're not – it's like a fucking switch. If you've ever been hit with a switch, which I have not because I am fucking – it's me. Um, if you've ever been hit with one, though, they will leave welts. And so people will get pissed off. They're like, fucking ouch. And so they would, like, take revenge, attack the Krampuses. In 2013, after several Krampus runs in East Tyrol, there were eight people who were actually, like, 
severely injured with broken bones that were admitted to a hospital, and over 60 other patients were treated um, for more minor injuries. So shit goes down, which, you know, in large celebrations, people are going to get hurt. So it's, you know, it makes sense. But like broken bones and shit, that's a little intense. All right. So the Krampusloff tradition has become an important one in many countries and has come to include um, a ton of different aspects to it. So people will put a ton of time into making like handmade Krampus masks, elaborate costumes, the parades. Um, The masks are typically carved from wood and they're considered like a very artisanal craft. A ton of time and effort is put into this. Like this is a very big deal. So people will work on this throughout the year, making their masks, making their costumes, They even sometimes will take some of the best costumes and, like, display them in museums. So um, I think this is all that's interesting. They claimed that it was, like, an example of a living tradition of folk art. So I thought that was really cool. Definitely check out the videos I mentioned. I'm going to post some pictures of them. Like, I'll probably post some pictures of some of the cool costumes as well as the cards because I think the cards are pretty cool as well. All right, so... Finally, I just wanted to end on Krampus making its way to America because I feel like I've seen a lot more people taking part in Krampus or being interested in Krampus here in the U.S. Obviously, we've got kinky Krampus, so people are into that. But basically, for over a century, and this is from, I believe, the History Channel, most Americans like never really knew who Krampus was or saw Krampus. And then in 2004... Art director and graphic designer Monty Beauchamp published a book of Krampus cards and helped organize an art show inspired by the Krampus cards. And this makes sense that, like, you know, we didn't really find out about Krampus until the early 2000s. The Internet's becoming a thing. You know, we're starting to be able to, like, we can just access so many things online now. We can learn about different cultures so easily. There's not really an excuse to be, like, out of the know, I guess, for some things, although... There is, because not everybody is sitting around, like, looking things up all the time. But if you're curious about something, you can find out about it by just going online. And that's the beauty of the Internet. So it makes sense that we didn't really know about it until early 2000s. Like I mentioned, social media has also contributed to the spread of Krampus here in the U.S. So he's become somewhat of an icon for people who don't enjoy Christmas, like me. Um... I didn't really know anything about Krampus until I, like, you know, like I mentioned, heard about it on, like, Morbid, and that's why we drink. And I think I like him more now that I've done some of my own research on it. I didn't really like that movie. It didn't really do it for me. But I can understand, like, maybe that's a way I can reframe it. You know what I mean? Like, I was saying I don't really love Christmas. I feel like you have to at least like Christmas a little bit to, like, enjoy Krampus because he still is, like, St. Nick's counterpart, and he does, like, Christmassy stuff, and... Whatever you celebrate him at Christmas time where the Grinch, you can just kind of be like, mm, I'm going away. Although I guess the Grinch does like get a big heart at the end. So look at me. I came around with a big heart. Oh, so yes, I remember hearing about Krampus over the years, not really understanding like where he came from, what the folklore was. Um, it makes sense that he only recently came to America. You can buy stuff online. Like I know on Etsy, they have like tons of cool sweaters and stuff. You can get the greeting cards and, like, ornaments, stuff like that. And the film that I just watched recently, the 2015 film, that was also something that contributed pretty greatly to the spread of Krampus amongst the U.S. In some American cities, like L.A., 
they have actual Krampus celebrations. They do costume contests. They do the parade bells, um, like the bell ringing stuff. They dance alpine horn blowing, if you will. Um, so there's just a ton of stuff here in the, in the U S where we're like kind of taking advantage of that. And I saw in my research somewhere, I think it was on live science. They were talking about how it makes sense because like Halloween has typically been, you know, not something that was celebrated in all parts of the world, but it's now it is more celebrated in different parts of the world where people didn't celebrate it prior. And it's just because social media is a thing and we see people having a good time and we want to get involved. And I think um, that can be really beautiful. You know, if it's not like a closed ritual or a closed religion or a closed practice, why not let people um, learn about the celebration or the origin of whatever it is that you're celebrating and take part in it? I think that's very wholesome and cool. All right. I think that's all I have for you guys today on Krampus. I meant to stop in the middle of this and tell you guys where you can support the podcast. So I'm going to do that right now. Make sure if you're watching this video that you are liking and subscribing. Leave a comment if you like what you hear. Let me know if you have any other um, information about Krampus. If you are of these, um, if you're from the Alpine region of Europe and you have any stories that you can tell or maybe things that you've heard from your family or experiences that you have, feel free to share them. I think it's super interesting. Um, if you know anything about Krampus, let me know. And then also share this video, subscribe to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash profscap podcast. Some more content will be coming soon. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at profscap podcast. And you can check out our website at profsketpodcast.com. You can buy merch at profsketpodcast.bigcartel.com. And I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you guys have the very best Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy winter solstice. I think this is coming out on the winter solstice. And any other holiday that I might have missed, I hope that you are just having a lovely end of 2022, resting, 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 and preparing for 2023. And I just love you guys so much. All right. Stay sus skeptics. Mwah. What's up skeptics. Thank you so much for being dedicated listeners of professional skepticism podcast. I couldn't do it without you. If you like what we're doing over here at professional skepticism, please show your support by doing any of the following. Leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Professional Skepticism Podcast. Subscribe to our Patreon for behind-the-scenes and bonus content at patreon.com forward slash profsketpodcast. Get some merch at profsketpodcast.bigcartel.com. Check out our official website at profsketpodcast.com. Follow our Instagram at profsketpodcast. You can find all these links in our Instagram bio or in the episode show notes. We've come so far and our journey has only just begun. Subscribe to make the dream work. Stay sus, skeptics. Mwah.